Hey, good morning, everyone. It is good to see you. Is it good to be seen? Yeah. <laughs> it's good. You're alive. You're breathing. You're here. We're glad you're here, and uh, it's exciting to be able to speak with you this morning. Welcome all of you watching in Lawrenceburg today. We love you out there in our campus in Tennessee. And uh, all of you watching online today, we want to welcome you as well. And all of you in the overflow area in the gymnasium, welcome. We're glad you're listening in and uh, part of the service today. And uh, it is exciting. I heard all those announcements. I got so excited at the thought of Reggie Dabbs coming for First Wednesday. I am telling you, he is one of the greatest speakers you will ever hear, and uh, we have him right here. He's been a good friend of mine for many years, and uh, it's going to be a powerful night. Bring friends, let's pack the place, and then let's see how many we can even get spontaneous water baptisms that night. It's going to be crazy, and I'm excited about that. Are you so excited about Halloween this week? Some of you are like, that's a trick question, you know, like, we are Christians, and yeah, I know, but listen, if you're going to have the light on, give the full-size candy bars, all right? That's all we can say, all right? If you're going to turn it off and hide, that's what you do, but uh, if you're going to have the light on, give away the best. I always liked Halloween, and you're thinking, Man, that's because you're a heathen, probably. Um, no, I always liked it because there is no other day in the entire year where your neighbors will give you a glimpse into their life. So I used to always love to be the chaperone guy. Netta could stay home and give out the candy and tell all the kids how cute they were. She's really good at that. And I was good at just being the chaperone and just kind of getting to look in and just, you know, the door would open. You'd get a, a moment to think, oh, that's what it looks like in their house. I always wondered, you know, but really it's like, when else do you have a glimpse of what your neighbors are like. It might be the first time you get to meet your neighbors. And, and uh, so borrow some kids if you don't have any and do that. And if you're a young adult, 18, 25, we are having an amazing costume party that night. And so you can just type merge to 97,000 and uh, find out how to be part of that this Saturday night as well. So there's a lot of great things happening. And I am so grateful for Pastor Steve. Aren't you? I am so grateful. I, I, I know we kind of say this, and maybe he gets tired of hearing it, but I feel like every series, he's, he gets better. And this homework series and our little box that we got and all of that, it's been so good. And I don't know about you, but I find myself, when I'm walking through my house now, thinking about different ones of his messages and, and how that applied for different places that I might be in my house at that time. So today, it's a lot of pressure. I feel like, you know, like I'm the closer now. I'm, I'm on the last service, and, you know, we can make it or break it. If it's like the Dodgers closer, we're in trouble today. <laughs> Some of you watched that game last night. It's like, whoa. Um, but it, what an opportunity. You know, we have talked about all of these rooms and, and, how to, how, and how we grow and how we apply those things to our marriages, to our conversations, to our finances. Today, as we conclude this series, I simply want to talk to you today about doors and windows. How many of you have a house with either a door or a window? Oh, see, we have so much in common already. And yet, you know, when you're looking for your house, that you don't normally call your realtor up or somebody and say, talk to me about the doors. You know, like, I don't know. I don't care about the kitchen. I don't care about the bath. I want to know about the windows. Right? But you are really hopeful that you have them. 
right? You want them. You, you, you kind of want windows and doors and, and probably, you know, like down here we want them because there's bug situations going on. Up north we want them because there's cold situation going on. And, and I remember when my family, we lived in uh, inner city Detroit and we had bought a foreclosed home. It was about 100 years old, as were its windows. And uh, so in the winter, when the wind would really blow, our curtains would blow on the inside. You know, they literally would just blow, and we would take towels and stuff them in different places. In our master bedroom, I had a screwdriver jammed into the window jam between the frame and the wall. Otherwise, they were spring-loaded. And any time during the night, the window would just shoot up all the way really fast. That's not what you want to hear in the middle of the night in inner city Detroit. There was more than once I was on my feet very quickly. It's like, what just happened? You know, oh, it's just the window. And then we'd realize, you know, like it was 54 degrees in our bedroom. You know, that was as warm as we could get it, you know, with those windows. So windows play a role. Doors are important. But oftentimes they're not the most prioritized thing in our lives. When, and yet, you know, when you think about it and you're, and you're going through your neighborhood, we oftentimes look at, Windows and doors. Sometimes maybe you're driving through right now and you're thinking, wow, look at their, their, their door. It's so nice. And they got little pumpkins and they got corn stalks. And, you know, I mean, isn't it weird that we'll go out and get pumpkins and corn stalks? We're not farmers. We just like bring them and put them on our house till they rot. Because we want it to feel fall. You know, we like that feeling that we get. You know, we do the things. Down here, we will literally you know, frost our Christmas trees because we want them to look snowy. Just go north. You'll never want snow on a tree again. <laughs> My last year up north in Vermont, we had to shovel 120 inches of snow. Yeah, I know, do the math, 10 feet over that winter. So I don't miss it. I, when I get a tree, I like, I'd like it to just stay green. It'd be fine with me. But we have these weird things about us. We, we look at windows, we look at doors, but we don't prioritize. When's the last time, you know, you checked? Have you ever been trapped in your house because the doorknob came off? <laughs> it does happen, right? But until it happens, it can stay jiggly, you know, and you got to call somebody, you got to get, get help. Sometimes we'll, we'll take possession of property and not even change the locks. Do you ever think about that? It's like, let's see, my house is 30 years old. It's had six owners, never changed the locks. I'm always thinking, you know, maybe that's the Detroiter in me. Just thinking, someone's going to be living there when I get home today. (laughs) And claim squatter's rights, and it's going to be a big war. But today we're going to talk about doors and windows, because doors and windows define boundaries. And they're a place of entry into the home where owners decide what stays out and what gets in. That's when we decide that. We, we, we determine that by our doors and our windows. We decide what comes in, what goes out. We determine what we communicate out of our homes through our doors and through our windows. And I think that's important that we begin to understand that. You know, when, when we were, again, in Detroit, I remember somebody just walked into our house one day. He didn't live there. He was just a guy from the street and he thought... Looks nice, I think I'll go in. He came into my house, and I was upstairs getting ready for work. Well, he was greeted at the front door by our mini pit bull. 
His name was Oreo, but he was no cookie. All right, I'm just telling you. He had that guy pinned up against the wall. And I thought that probably would be enough to scare most people. But there was a being in that home much more vicious, and it was the mother of the children in that home. My wife, the most sweet lady you can ever hear, I heard a tone in her voice that I have never heard before. Right now, my hair just stood up in my arms just thinking about it again. And she was like, who are you? What are you doing in my house? Get out of my, by the time I came down, I was running down. And the dog was out of the way. He was out of the house. And I could see her chasing him up the street. You know, one hand on the hip. And it's just that whole, oh, no, you didn't. You tell all your friends, this is not an open house. You're saying, boy, you really blew your witness. Perhaps. But we would like to witness on our terms and not just come home and find out who we're witnessing to by entering the home. B.C., Pastor Steve and I were talking about this message. He said, every home needs to up their door game in this next season if they're going to be healthy. Come on, somebody. That's our Pastor Steve right there. That sounds like Pastor Steve, doesn't it? Every home needs to up their door game in this next season if they're going to be healthy. What is he saying? He needs, you need to make sure your doors know how to lock. You need to make sure that you are in control of that, that there is not a broken down open door into your life and into your children and into your conversations and into your prayer life and into all of your areas of your life. Because all of the homework that we've been hearing over the last several weeks won't matter if we have broken doors. You know, when Pastor Steve and I were talking, we were saying in the Old Testament, when the city gates would become broken down, They knew the enemy was coming. They knew it was time to retreat. When the gates were broken, it was time to go because the enemy was coming. And maybe some of us have some broken gates and some shattered windows. And it doesn't matter how spiritual we talk about the last several weeks if we can't keep the enemy out of our home. And I'm here to tell you, you can keep the enemy out of your home, but you can't do it by being his best friend. It just doesn't work that way. So let's look at the scriptures today and study this a little bit as we talk about these doors and windows. Let's look at the first time a door is ever mentioned in scripture, and we'll we'll start there in Genesis chapter 4. Now this is the story of Cain and Abel. When they, Cain and Abel, grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. He became a farmer. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain Cain presented some of his crops As a gift to the Lord. What did he present? Some of his crops. Now look at the next part. Abel also brought a gift. The best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. So Cain comes to God and he brings some. He he gathered some fruit and vegetables. He put them on a tray. Brought it and said, here you go God. You know, eat up. Cain went and looked at all of the flocks that he had and said, which one is the very best? Which one is the very best? You know, I wonder about us sometimes when we come to church and we come to worship and we come to seek God and we come to love on Jesus, do we kind of go, well, here's some worship? Or do we say, I got to find the very best in me? 
I want to give you my very best. I don't want to just mm, yawn. Here you go, God. So what happens? The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. The literal translation says he got his nose in a knot, kind of. You ever get like that? Like, he was looking at God like, he was really, really angry. And the Lord says, why are you so angry, Cain? Why do you look so dejected? Look what God says to him. You will be accepted if you do what is right. Then listen, but if you refuse to do what's right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. This morning I'm preaching a simple message. There's a monster at the door. There's a monster at your door, crouching at your door. If you refuse to do what's right, watch out. It will control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Heavenly Father, I pray the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you. You're my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Now, have you ever been house hunting? Again, I have some unique stories because I lived in a very unique town with a very unique season that we were living. But once in Detroit, I went with my realtor house shopping. And when you go house shopping and you don't have much money, you tend to just house shop for foreclosed homes. Well, when you're shopping for foreclosed homes, they don't usually get representation from a realtor, okay? So if you're going to show up, it's kind of like shop at your own risk. And again, this is in Detroit. So what we would do is we would arrive at a house with our realtor and we'd go, this one looks kind of nice. And we would kind of look around. We'd stand out in the street and we'd look on each side of the house and say, it's not burning down. It has windows. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. It had a door and windows. That was like, okay, that's worth looking at. It's true. And so that would be step one. And so sooner or later, me or the realtor would go, well, let's see if we can see anything in there. We'd step up and look in one of the windows. And you're looking and going, oh, I think there might be a kitchen in the back over there. And there's stairs over there. And they're still up. Okay, this ain't bad. So then we would go to the door. And we'd get on the porch, kind of touch the doorknob. See if it's, does it turn? We'd knock again. Hello? Anybody home? Anybody think it's your home? <laughs> Anybody upstairs doing drugs? All too true. <laughs> so finally, we would open it and push the door real fast and say, hello, anybody in there? And we'd see how much of our body we could get into the house without trespassing. All right? It looks empty. All right, let's go for it. All right, me and my gang are coming in right now. You got to sound like many when you're going into an empty house in Detroit. 
And we would go through then. We would get through the house and, and, and decide. Then we came out and we purchased. We ended up purchasing one of those homes and found out right after we bought it that somebody had decided to help themselves to the copper plumbing. And that was a problem. But we had that fixed and it was okay. But what I saw here was this progression from the window to the doormat to inside the house. And as you think about how the enemy wants to come and attack you, because I think the enemy's house hunting today. He's looking for somebody he can enter today. He's looking for somebody he can mess with today. He's looking for somebody he can destroy today. He's not intimidated that you have attended multiple services in this series. He wants to know if there's still a window open, if there's still a doorway he can find. He still wants to come in and destroy anything he can. That's just his way and his house huntings. So I want us to look, taking the story of Cain and Abel and adding it to Psalm 1-1. Because in Psalm 1-1, there's progression that I want to use in this example today to help us understand how we can become vulnerable to the Lord or to the enemy entering our home. Now, it says in Psalm 1-1, oh, the joy of those who do not. Need to pay attention. Circle not, all right? Oh, the joys of those who do not One, follow the advice of the wicked. Two, stand around with sinners. Three, join in with mockers. For me today, I want to just take some time and go, oh, the joys of those who do not open the window, put out the doormat, and open the front door. There's a progression that you begin to see. And so we'll start with the first one. Oh, the joys of those who do not open the windows which we found was follow the advice of the wicked. Now the word that jumps out and and that we find a parallel to Psalm 1-1 here is the word comparison. Comparison is one of those words that gets all of us in a lot of trouble. Why do they get that? Why can they do this? I'll never be as good at this. I'll never be that person. Look, why do they have a nicer house? Why do they get this? We compare to all kinds of different things. And comparison will make us absolutely crazy. This is social media. Social media. How far are you right now from your phone? Do you have it? Pretty close? That's your window. All right? How often do you look out that window? How many hours a day do you spend looking out that window? And what does it show you? What does it tell you about yourself? What does it tell you about your time? What does it tell you about your relationship with Jesus? What does it tell you about your entertainment? What does it tell you about your thought life? It's filled with comparison. Even the fun things that you find yourself doing in social media ultimately have competition. Who gets more likes? Who gets more followers, more views? Whatever we find ourselves doing, see social media and commercials and opinions and gossip are all those windows in our life, and we get affected by it. I don't know about you, but I'm affected by it. I was watching some football this weekend. Heard there's a few games played. Everyone, everyone happy today, right? Most people are happy, right? Tennessee's probably not happy today. 
Most people, I'm sorry, I, I'm a Tennessee fan, I love you guys, but you're probably not happy. Alabama's probably happy, right? Roll tight, everybody's happy. There's like two people in here. You must all be like me, Buckeye fans. <laughs> I heard more cheering, that's all I'm saying. All right, keep going. But as I was watching football and different things, did you guys see the new commercials for the new iPhone? And the new Apple Watch, I heard that, yeah. See, I'm hearing kids, I'm hearing adults. The new Apple Watch, the new iPhone. Now, I have a fairly new Apple Watch, and I have an iPhone. It's not the brand new, but I realize now, mine are junk. (laughs) You know, and my kids were telling me mine's junk because we live in a kind of trickle-down kind of home life. You know what I'm saying? My junk would be an improvement for them, so... They're thinking, you should trade it in. I'll just take your watch. And you get the good one, Dad. You know, you deserve it. You should get the new one, the 12. Get the 12 phone, Dad. You need that. And I was thinking, yes, I do need it. It gives you your blood oxygen level on demand. How many times have you been like out and about and you thought, what is my blood oxygen level right now? And you go... I'll tell you what it is, all you suckers who don't have this. And then you go, now I don't know what that means, if that's good or bad. It's blinking red. (laughs) But somehow that was one of the features. We need it. We're comparing. So even though I really love this one, now I hate it. I need this other one. And you know what? That goes in everything. We can always find something or someone else that makes us feel stupid, ugly, less talented, alone, unappreciated, devalued, right? We can always find somebody that does that. You hurt my feelings. You make me feel so bad. Why do you have all these friends on Friday night and I'm here watching your Instagram? I'll tell you what, unfollow their Instagram. Get over yourself. Stop comparing yourself to people who drive you crazy. They shouldn't have those friends. I should have more friends. You should maybe get out of the house. Stop living in your windows. Right? You're living in your windows. You're window shopping all the time. You're staring out the window of your house and wondering what it's really like in the real world. But that's not real staring through glass. It's not real when you just stare at your hand for hours on a day. It's not real when all of your information comes through gossip and opinion. I found that some people have opinions about who to vote for. (laughs) Right? Some of you are like real slow on the uptake today, all right? (laughs) Everyone has opinions. Just some have the courtesy to be quiet. Because we've already heard the pitch. All right? We already heard the pitch. Here's my pitch. Pray and obey. Get in there. You should vote. Get in that booth. Pray and obey and get out. And don't make a big statement about it. Put a sticker on and then, of course, get on all your windows and tell everyone. (laughs) So we can find people that make us feel horrible. We're good at it. But we can also find people that make us feel really good about ourselves. You know who really stinks? Him. You know who a real loser is? Her. We're good at that. It just give us some time. We can get prideful. 
It's like we hear this message and we go, you know who really needs to listen to this? I'll tell you who, you. Because if anybody else that isn't here needs to hear this message, they need to hear it through you. And not preached at them, lived out in front of them. Because they're peeping in your windows. They are. Somebody out there is looking for something real. And they've started to tiptoe into your front yard. Going, is it you? Or are you just plastic like everyone else? You see, both of these comparisons, finding someone that makes you feel worse, someone that makes you feel better, they both lead to sad, sucky, brain-pounding, crazy drama. Man, I'm so tired of spending all my pastoral time with people who have drama issues. They make me feel bad. How do you make them feel? Bad, but they deserve it. Right, I forgot about that, so we're not, oh, never mind. So let's get back to Cain, because he's the real punk in this story, not us. So Cain went with comparison instead of conviction. He goes, he's a shepherd. I'm a farmer, it's different. My offering's good. How can his sheep be better than my cantaloupe. You still don't understand. Did you thump it, God? And if somebody can help me on that thump thing, I still have never figured that out. You know what? Cain could have just gone back and said, you're right, God. It's not my best. I'm going to go get my best. God was giving him that chance. God wanted him to do it. God goes, hey, here's what's going to happen if you don't do it, but you do what's right. It's going to be good. But instead, this is how we get. We get all stubborn and weird. That's us in our windows. He could have done it. But he, he, he went with comparison instead of conviction. And yet, we learn later in Exodus, as you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. I'm sure God told Cain this firsthand. Just bring your best. You know, maybe for some of us, when's the last time we deliberately thought about bringing our best to God? When we meet with God, even in our personal daily devotions, is it like, you should be happy, God, because this is like six days in a row? Or is it, oh my goodness, I get to meet with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who knows me by name. What an honor to be in your presence, God. What an honor to start my day with you. You see what I'm saying? If we get trapped in comparison, we're even asking God to play by our window rules. And I have to tell you, if that's you, there's a monster at your door. There's a monster at your door. Second part of verse 1 of Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not put out the welcome mat or stand around with sinners. Now they're standing on the front porch. They're standing there and they're looking in the side windows there. They're jiggling the handle. You go from comparison to compromise. That's the trend here. When you begin to now stand, now you're standing, you begin to compromise. Social media becomes ours more. Netflix and Hulu and video games and movies and YouTube and other sites and channels. And you know what's worse? When you turn it off, your thought life keeps going. 
I can't sleep at night. Well, how much media have you put into your brain before you lay down versus how much Bible you put in your brain before you lay down? I've said to some of the people, you're on Facebook going, can't sleep again tonight. I said, turn your, turn, turn, <laughs> what do I say? All right. Turn your insomnia into intercession. I promise you this. You start praying instead of complaining, even the devil will help you fall asleep. He doesn't want you up praying for people. He doesn't want you up going, what are your prayer needs? You know, but you're out there going, oh, I feel so, so restless and I can't sleep. And your friends are going, have you taken a melatonin? Have you had warm milk? What kind of Christian friends do we have? You run into me, I'm going, have you tried praying and getting off Facebook? What? Heresy. Those are my people. I know. There's next door neighbors that need Jesus too, like literal ones. You see, it's amazing what we'll find ourselves doing when we let them onto our porch. And you know, it's interesting. Moving south, I learned some things. I, I, I've never lived south till about a year and a half ago, two years now. But you like to keep stuff on your porches down here. When we were moving down here, we started seeing, it's like, they have refrigerators on their porch. <laughs> Things you don't see up north. You don't, no one's got a freezer or a refrigerator on the front porch. And other things, you know, like they put cars in different places and, and, and equipment. And so I'm wondering, like, what are we communicating with our front porches down here? <laughs> it's like, what do you expect? I mean, if you did that in Detroit, you'd have a whole village living on your front porch. You got a fridge on there, you got a swing, they're there for life. But it's amazing how we invite things into our life by the time that we give to it. Because what has your attention has you. And all of those things you're watching and the windows you're looking at, and now the, the, the porch that you're beginning to fill up, it gets after you. And you take a sip that you never thought you were going to take. You laugh at things that didn't used to be funny. And you imagine things that you can't even believe you're imagining. About being with other people and doing other things. You see, what are you willing to do to be accepted? What are you willing to do to get that promotion? To become more popular? To look better than your neighbor? What are you willing to do? to get more likes, to get more follows. What price will we pay? Because we will pay prices we can't afford. And we will tolerate things that used to convict us. And we will act like it's not there. But others see our porch. I go, that fridge didn't used to be there. That junk didn't used to be there. That garbage didn't used to be right there on the precipice of your life. It didn't used to be there. Why is that there now? Why is it on the tip of your tongue now? Why is it right at the entry of your life now? Why are your eyes straying now? Right on the edge of your life, you're finding yourself with garbage and with temptation right there. And you wonder, you wonder why. You know, nobody gets onto Netflix and the internet late, internet, internet late at night thinking, man, I'd really 
like to become a pervert if I could. I've got an itching to just be the most gross predator that anybody's ever seen before. No, no, that's not what you think. You think that nobody even knows what you're looking at. But you turn it off, but it doesn't stay turned off. It stays turned on. And you find yourself in situations and doing things that you couldn't even imagine before. And it's on your porch, and other people even see it. And they say, I'm concerned about you. And you're like, don't worry about it. It'll get handled. And we start dressing different and talking different and hanging out in different places when the doormat of compromise has been laid on our front porch. And you say, but you know what, Pastor Chili? It's not my fault. I didn't know. Proverbs 24, 12 says, don't excuse yourself by saying, look, we didn't know. For God understands our hearts and he sees you. He who guards your soul knows you knew. And he will repay all people as their actions deserve. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want that hanging up on the wall of your kitchen, huh? Bless the Lord. Give thanksgiving. He knows. Maybe you need to put a little post-it note on all of your screens that says, he already knows. So what about Cain and ABL? Let's please, Chili, get back to Cain. Cain gets down on his knees and just weeps. No. Cain became angry instead of repentant. What's it take to get you to repent? See, repentance is not being sorry. We're good at like, oh yeah, my bad, let's go on. Repentance means you have to go back to where the offense was and fix it. And then go forward. See, repentance isn't, Cain goes, my next offering is going to be amazing. No, repentance means I have to go back and fix that offering. I got to bring God my best. I think so many times in our life, we just give ourselves a pass for the next one. But that's not repentance. And we get in bad habits and bad patterns of just putting all the grace on God and no responsibility on us. And he is gracious and he is forgiving and he is loving beyond any of us. But he's not stupid. He knows what you know. He knows. And that's important. God was willing to give Cain time to humble himself. And returned with his best. But Cain chose his worst. Instead of his best. I have to wonder. You as parents. Husbands and wives. Do you know. The apps. And passwords on your kids devices. On each other's. Do you. A few weeks ago. A pastor was preaching about his kid. And he said. He said my son's door. Is actually my door. Because I pay the mortgage. And if there's problems, I'll take the door off its hinges. Well, your kid's password is your password. And if they are letting in things that you can't even access, then there is a problem in your family. And I'm telling you right now, it won't get better. It won't get better. There's testimonies that I could share today of my own daughter, a week from being human trafficked and out of our life forever through social media. 
It's still a thing that we have to work through in our home on a daily basis. But I want you to know something, every person in this room. I know the password and application on every device that is owned and paid for by me and my family. And here's something I want to tell you too. My children, no matter how young, and any, any one of them have all of my passwords too. And they can go and look on dad's computer and dad's devices and anywhere they want to look, they can look. My wife can have full liberty to anything that I am accessing because I don't need a monster at my door. I got enough problems like the rest of us without bringing him now right up to my door. And if you're afraid to confront because your kid will rebel, your kid is already in rebellion. If you're afraid to make your kid serve God because it'll push them away from church, they're already there. So do the right thing if you have the consistency to walk it out. Most of the time, we don't force because we don't want to be forced ourselves. But what are we going to do about the monster? What a great week for us to have this message and be reminded. There's a whole group of little monsters coming by Saturday. (laughs) Cute as can be. They don't even have to shop for masks this year. COVID. (laughs) We're like, what are you? Alive. Come on in. Here's a candy bar. And I am not trying to make light of this. It has been the most horrendous year for any of us. I'm ready for 2021 tomorrow. But we have to continue. Last point. Oh, the joys of those who do not open the front door. Or as Psalm says, or join in with the mockers. This is where it goes from comparison to compromise to control. Now it's on the inside, and it's part of our lives. Control, what will control do? Flirting becomes sexting. Porn becomes perversion. Abuse becomes despair. Hate becomes hopelessness. Deceit becomes divorce. Greed becomes debt. Excess becomes addiction. Sin becomes shame, and shame becomes silence or even death. That's what happens when we let it in. It's not going to just stay put. It's not going to find a little cushion in the corner and curl up and take a nap. Now it's on the inside, and all of those things that you have dealt with during this series, it's going to find wherever you're vulnerable. If it's in the bedroom, that's where it'll go. If it's in the home office, that's where it'll go. If it's in the kitchen, that's where it will go. But it will find where we're most susceptible, where we struggle the most, and it will go and exploit you and destroy you. Don't let it. It's on the inside. It can move to any part. And it will find your vulnerable places with one intention, destruction, confusion, chaos. Maybe you've been there. What about Cain? Think about it. Cain chooses to kill his own brother rather than surrender. Stupid. But the monster got on the inside. And now he's calling the shots. Sin, it's crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Don't fool yourself, my friends, and think you can handle it. Because even if you're handling it, even if you're in control of the situation, that means God's not. God needs to be in control. God needs to be in control. 
of every situation. So my final thoughts this morning. What's a house like that's not in this progression? What should our house look like? What should it be like? Right back to Psalm chapter 1. David adds two more verses. I'm so glad he did. He said, oh, the joys that don't open the windows and put out the doormat and and open the front door. Then he says, but they delight in the law of the Lord. What should your family be known for? They delight in the law of the Lord. They delight in the word of God. I have been loving this Acts read-through that we've been doing. On, if you have not been on our church website, our Facebook page, I should say, and there's an Acts 30-day reading, through, you can jump in today for that. But I love reading how God's speaking to so many. When we delight in the word, meditating on it day and night, then they are like trees planted along a riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. See, God doesn't want you going through this cycle of window, doormat, door, window, doormat, door, always fighting a monster, always kicking him out. He wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to be in the word of God because our world is looking. Our world is standing out in front of us today going, I'd like to look inside their house. I'd like to look inside their world. I'd like to see what they're all about. And your windows, because you're not in comparison, you're in contentment. And you're different, right? They look and they, and they think, you know, what's the doormat like? It's not compromise. It's compliment. God loves you. God's got a plan for you. God sees the best in you. And we open the door and we're not in control. God begins to be in control. Hmm. This is God's plan for your life and for your family. I say we serve Satan an eviction notice today. Get out. Get out. And if it's in a nook or cranny or if he's just taking a seat right on the porch, get out. Stop tolerating. Stop going like, well, I'm mostly good. I'm mostly all right. I'm better than most. Now you're back to window shopping. Now you're back to social media. Get out of that. Put that thing down from time to time. It's amazing. You won't even take Jesus into the toilet. Well, but you got to have your phone because you don't want to miss somebody. Man, don't let things literally dictate how you live your life. Let the word, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let's kick the monster off the front porch of our lives and our home and our children. Let's have some real conversations about our concerns, about our passwords. Let's have some real conversations about what we watch and what entertains us. Let's reinstate some holiness and courage into our everyday lives. You know, we could do it. And let's begin to be fruitful and positive as individuals and families to all who are looking, approaching, and seeking. Like Psalm 1-1. They're looking, they're approaching, and they're seeking. Let's show them. 
If they're coming to your house Saturday, man, anoint your doorposts. Smile like you never have. Be real. Give the big candy bars. If you're going to go with your kids, man, take a look at what your neighbors are telling you. Pray for them. Pray as you walk from house to house. Prayer walk your neighborhood. But more important than anything, your life is the house we're really talking about today. Take inventory today. Clean out. Let's stop Satan's tricks by becoming God's treats. You know, what a treat somebody gets tomorrow because you've been transformed today. They're like, you're smiling today. It's Monday, do you forget? And you're like, oh, smiling's now my favorite. (laughs) And singing is next. Just keep smiling. (laughs) I want to pray with you as we close right now. If you're here today and you would say, I need to get things right with Jesus, there's something on the inside or something that I've been looking at, something I've been focused on, something I've allowed in. I know it's the enemy and I want it out. And I need to get Jesus back as my Lord and Savior. Pop your hand up real quick. All right? Lots of hands all over. Lawrence Berg, raise your hand. If you're home, raise your hand. Yep. Overflow area. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me and just say it from the bottom of your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the dead to take away all of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. And now, Lord, I give you my whole life, every window, every entry point, every door, and I would say, come in and fill me with your presence. I choose to live for you from this day forward. This is my homework, and I'm going to work so that you are at home in me. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen.